Hey, just a note before we get to the show. We've been doing this since 2016, and we think it's time for us to take it to the next level. So we're going to be doing a live Edible Alpha here in Madison on April 1st. And I'm really excited because we're going to be taping interviews live. Paul Willis, the founder of Nyman Ranch Meats, is coming. The founder of Iroquois Valley Farmland REIT, Dave Miller is coming. We're going to also be having some young up-and-coming entrepreneurs, Mike Costello and Amy Dawson from Lost Creek Farm. There are going to be lots of ways to join us. One way is coming on an airplane and joining the live event. Another way is in the future, the podcast interviews that we tape live, we're going to have on our show. And we're also going to make it possible to do viewing parties. So if you want to get a bunch of people together and watch all of this, you're going to be able to do that around the country. If you're interested in doing any of that, uh, reach out to the Food Finance Institute or Edible Alpha, get in contact with us and we'll get back to you and help you organize your event. And now on to our show. Welcome to the Edible Alpha podcast series, your source for actionable insights into making money in food. I'm Tara Johnson, the Tara's Way Lady, and we're here to talk to a wide range of stakeholders about what it really takes to grow a financially viable food business. Hey, Paul, thanks for coming down to be with us at the show today. It is a great pleasure to see you again. It's great. It's great. So, Paul, you and I have known each other for what? lot of years. It's denumerated in decades now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I tell, yeah, I do. And I tell people I dye my hair so I don't know how old I am. So, But I do. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when I first met you, one of the earliest things I remember is coming to see your cheese plant that you bought. And it had a screen door on it that kind of went... Nink. You know, like an old, like my grandmother's house. I remember that sound of an old screen door shutting. That was what your cheese plant was like when I first met you. That's so, true. It's true, right? So take take us back. That was when? So uh, 1991, yep. I purchased the assets of a little company in Dodge County, mm-hmm. a great family business named the Heim Cheese Company. That's right. It had five very small little cheese factories. Mm-hmm. And for those of your listeners who don't know, that used to be the only way cheese factories were. Mm-hmm. Um, a few decades ago, there were 4,000 cheese factories in the state. And the local farmers would put their milk in cans, the cans on a horse-driven carriage, right. bring the milk to the cheese factory where the cans would be unloaded, pasteurized, put into vats in the basement of the cheesemaker's home where he and his family lived upstairs. They'd make a couple of vats of cheese Mm -hmm. a day. That was that. Yeah. Um, The whey would be put generally in buckets to be given to pigs. Mm -hmm. The soapy water would be put in a little bit of a pipe to go downhill to wherever it went to. (laughs) Soapy water, fertilizer. And we bought uh, five of those plants back in 1991. Uh, Not only did the screen doors creak, they only often closed. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) So bugs were a thing. Yeah. It was was an adventure back Back then. Back in the day, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that that's how you got started. And they and at the time those cheese plants were making pretty ordinary cheese, right? Yeah, so my deal was 
uh, I bought those plants because I had done some market research. This company was ahead of its time. They were making something which, with my tongue in my cheek, I can say terrific people. They pronounced the type of cheese they were making as queso. Oh, no. Queso, Which, right. at the time, making queso, which means cheese in Spanish, uh, it wasn't an obvious thing to do, nor was it obvious that it was going to grow. Mm-hmm. But in retrospect, it was obvious. Yeah. And so I got into it to make uh, Hispanic cheese because they had a bit of a head start. Uh, we hired a, a, a technical services company, some scientists in the Milwaukee area, and they helped the cheesemakers get better at it. And we spent then a few years bumbling, mm-hmm. uh, making some successes and some uh, yeah. unpleasantness. But over the next years, we got to be decent at making Hispanic cheese. Mm-hmm. Grew, grew the business a bit. Right, right. And now, so, so well, I should ask, like, how many farmers were supplying you then? So 1991, I met all 48 of the farmers okay. who supplied us. Uh, the smallest herd was somewhere between 15 and 20 cows mm-hmm. um, uh, run by a couple of older men who didn't have electric power except to the um, milk shed. Hmm. Um, now, you know, an 18-cow herd is not a herd. Yeah, I think our biggest herd back then was between 50 and 100 cows. Mm-hmm. Um, we had our own staff who worked with the farmers and the patrons. Um, but time went by, and we, right. we, we figured out that that wasn't what we were best at, servicing the farmers. Um, and so we, we, we asked a local cooperative, which back then was called Family Dairies, and now is Farm First Family Dairies. But they, they handle all the farmers. We buy milk from them, but it's directly from the farm. Sure, sure. And the number of farms who supply us now has gone up, mm-hmm. but so is the average number of animals yeah sure sure and your so although do you use any of those little cheese plants anymore or if you're all gone we've sold them all sold them all Um, okay the oldest cheese factory in the state uh has a plaque outside that we but we Uh shut it down Uh um it's all but they've all been commute converted to homes oh interesting okay Um, some of the original families bought the homes back after 100 years and uh, really wonderful. Hmm. Um, but Tara, over those uh, 28 years, the countryside has changed. We went from uh, 50 employees or less um, and 50 farms, and we've grown by a factor of 10 or more. The number of farmers has mm-hmm. dropped by a factor of three or four. So the communities have been hurt. The number of families in the sure. communities has dropped. In the year 2002, uh, 11 or 12 years after I bought the company, the local high school was closed, mm-hmm. which decimated the town. Yeah. Uh, who's going to want to move to a town where you have to bust your children when just a few years ago it was a vibrant high school, junior high? I bought the high school. Uh, now it's now we've really added on to it, and it's it's a modern cheese factory, but the community suffered as as farms centralized and expanded. Difficult rural situation. Yeah. So I got to do this. I meant to do it today. I have this picture in my house 
because my grandmother played basketball in the in this would have been in like 1910 in Reeseville. I think it's in that building. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. In like bloomers, you know, the yeah. whole team yeah. lined up. I got to go find that because, and it has the, you know, Reeseville on the ball, right? Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I got to get you that picture. You, you can put it up in your geez. cheese plant. Absolutely. We bought the factory in the, in the autumn of 2003. It had been vacant for a year or two. Um, cold October morning, I signed the paper in one of the classrooms. And I'm there with, uh, I'm going to say, half a dozen of my staff who were men, generally older men, mm-hmm. just by happenstance. So we sign in the, the local paper, takes pictures and goes off, and the village officials take pictures. Right. You know, and we're just left standing there. And they start to look at me. Now, I've worked with these guys at that right, point for some right, years, yeah. and there's something weird going on. Mm-hmm. What's going on? So it turns out that pretty much all these guys happen to have gone to, to this school, school right? decades earlier. Okay, but why the awkward silence? Mm-hmm. Well, Paul, is it just us now in the school? Guys, it's, I mean, it's just us. We just right, bought it. Right, there's nobody right. here. Hand wringing and quiet. What's going on? Looking at floor. We have a request. Uh, You've thought about this ahead of time, guys. Mm-hmm, What's going on? Mm-hmm. Could we? We've always wanted to. Could we? We want to go in the girls' room. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, how it a hoot. What That's a hoot. such a hoot. We took the school apart, and one of the guys found their old band hat. Oh, no. One of the women who later worked in the front office mm-hmm. said, yeah, I used to come up and use this console to call out announcements. <laughs> Yeah, that is such a hoot. Yeah, yeah really so is. that's now your plant, right? That's the core of the plant. We've added mm-hmm. on a bunch. But yeah. That's yeah, right. Yeah. That is, is the, the murals are still up there. It still yeah. says Earth Science Room on Right, right. Oh, what a hoot. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so, okay. And um, now you have a lot of employees, and you're in a place. So Reeseville is not close to an urban area. 12 miles to the nearest supermarket. 12 too. miles to the nearest supermarket. So it is a food desert on top of it all. So um, how did you, how do you get employees now? Yeah, cool. So there's a, there's a, a, a few pieces to this. The first is we are so fortunate to need more people because we've been blessed by growing markets. Yes. And that's that's just, we, we, we have really super people working and making and dedicated to helping us grow. The second is we as a management team decided about 10 years ago that we needed to learn soft skills. Mm-hmm. It could no longer be just about telling people. Mm-hmm. We had to learn how to make a team feel like it was safe. So we spent a lot of time helping one another learn emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, folks and listeners, you should all know that I needed Tara to explain to me <laughs> 20 years ago that I would be a good candidate to learn emotional intelligence. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> so it uh, had, but over time, uh, we we were effective in making the place feel safe emotionally. 
Oh, feelings matter at our place. Mm-hmm. And this allowed the management team to start to consider the question, what would happen if we found people who had been out of work mm. and brought them to work? And I, I think it's fair to say that maybe 10 years ago, the team would have said, we don't want those sort of people, mm-hmm. sort of lifting mm-hmm. one's nose. Right. And uh, as, as, as we were fortunate, it became harder and harder to find workers, but we were already learning soft skills. Mm-hmm. And we considered maybe we should try to look for people who have been out of work. So we worked, uh, and it turns out the University of Wisconsin Population Health Institute did a survey. And we found that a significant number of the households in Dodge County had people who want to work, but can't work, not for a character flaw, Mm -hmm. but because of a tangible barrier. Mm -hmm. Transportation, child care, elder care. There are about, by memory, 33,000 households in Dodge County and 34,000 cars. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So everybody, the one person working in the house has the car, right? Dad goes off and mom is trapped. And at some point the kid goes to school and mom is still trapped. So if she wants to work, she it's a split shift thing. Mm -hmm. So when you say it like that, it's a wonder it took me so long to figure it out. But I said, you know, what if we hired people to drive around and ferry workers to mm-hmm, work. Mm-hmm. So we call it, the program is called Getting to Work. Mm-hmm. And today I employ, I don't know, nine or 10 drivers, uh-huh. 24 hours a day, mm-hmm. driving to Watertown, Beaverdam, Ripon, Fond du Lac, Clyman, all Interesting. around. And what we got, we, we charge a little bit to the employees, yeah. $4 per ride each way, each day. Mm-hmm. We got as a program that cost me 25 bucks mm-hmm. per employee per day. Mm-hmm. Now, on the one hand, that's a lot. Right. On the other hand, it's a lot less than a temp. Yeah. On the one hand, you'd say, well, these people may not have been working, so they aren't going to be good workers. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I'll tell you, they are on time, no absenteeism, no tardism, not because of us managers, but because the other riders in the car, mm-hmm. they don't want to be waiting at your driveway if you're not going right. to come out, man. So we've got uh, about 75 people out of our 250 are coming that who way. come to work with this rideshare program. It was spectacular. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a waiting list. Wow. Wow. We have a, so we're in a state, so so you all know, we're in a state where, I don't know, unemployment is under 3%, right? Any cheese plant around this state is, is talk, they're all talking about robots, because there just aren't people, quote unquote, aren't people to work. So to have a waiting list is unbelievable. So we talk about robots too, and I could say Yay. while looking at your face, I know you'll smell this, humans are undervalued. Mm-hmm. Robots are cool, mm-hmm. but they require, if not tender loving care, they require money and time and yeah, effort, and they're yeah. a bit inflexible. Yeah, uh, We right. like to be able to change the way the market needs, not mm-hmm. the way the robots are able to do. Right. So our assets are flexible, and our people are too. Mm-hmm. So we, we got a bunch of folks. We're starting now 
a child care program mm -hmm. because the, uh, the Population Health Institute indicates there are as many people trapped at home for child care and elder care reasons right. as there are for transportation. Looks like the cost for me, the employer, is going to be about the same as mm -hmm. for rideshare, the getting mm -hmm. to work program. And those two programs give me the belief that we will be able to get the workers we need for mm -hmm. the foreseeable future. There is at least one other thing, however, we've got to do, which is we need to attract young professionals. Mm -hmm. And attracting them to Reeseville right. isn't an obvious move. It's not obvious, <laughs> yes, um, yes. So we, we do run a rideshare program in and out of Madison. Mm. But we're also trying to boost the community mm -hmm. in its own mind. Mm -hmm. We want folks in Reeseville to be really proud of what we've, what we've got. And, man, I'll tell you, that the, the, the work ethic, the kindness of the mm -hmm. community is, is second to none. But we sponsored the first annual Reeseville Art and Music Fest Oh, my last goodness. June. And I don't think we're in danger of having Paul McCartney say that's his right. next venue. That's probably, probably not, not coming. Yeah. But it's cool. And the uh -huh. local kids are singing. They're really good. No. Mm -hmm. uh, we got, we got uh, talented local musicians. Mm -hmm. And those are the sorts of things which we think in the long run will create a better spirit in the community. Mm -hmm. You know, Tara, I build, as I add on to our factory, I specify what's called spankrete walls. Mm -hmm. These have a 50-year life. Right. So I feel it's incumbent on, incumbent on me. <laughs> Crazy. I'm not going to be around. But mm -hmm. I got to look. I have to develop a workforce with a 50-year right. plan. Right, right. So uh, build a child care facility, give them rides, mm -hmm. bring them in, build the community. Um, it's not so much that I'm a nice guy as I'm a greedy pig. I want to yeah, make something yeah. for no, a long, long time. <laughs> So I did a boot camp recently. There was a woman th there who um, she and her husband are failed retirees who are kind of becoming my next favorite group of entrepreneurs. Um, he he was making beer in his basement, and she said, "Why don't we just why don't we open a brewery?" So they they did a brewery in Mosinee. And Mosinee is not I mean it's not as small as Reeseville, but it isn't a big town, and it's kind of. The, there's one paper mill there that's dying. The rest mm -hmm. have, have died. Mm -hmm. um, they bought an old building downtown and rehabilitated the thing. And what's fascinating about that to me was she said, this is going to be the third space for our community, right? Because there isn't anything like that. So how do you attract professionals Super. and stuff? Yeah, like yeah. you need to have that. So it's a very hip place. Um because it's a brewery, right? But then it also has sort of coffee shoppiness to it. Like you can go in there and sit and they have food. They have meeting rooms. She does art. She sponsored like art festival mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. And it's been wildly successful. She's only been open for a year. Oh, that's great. No one would accuse anything I do of being hip, modern. Yeah, or right, <laughs> right, right, right. But in our own little in way. His, in, in that case, she did. But well, I'm bringing that up because it's an example of somebody else who said, "This people think this town is dead, but it's not it's dead. Not. There are people who are here. Oh, absolutely. And they, the, uh, you know, let's, let's see if we can turn to, to a broader conversation. Mm -hmm. The tragedy that I observe in rural America, not, not universally, of course, 
But the tragedy is that often people think less of themselves than they are. Mm -hmm. Because the received wisdom is, as you mentioned, that rural America isn't worth isn't a happening place. Right. You know, if you really had skills and smarts, what you'd get out. Right. And that's false. Mm-hmm. But if you hear it enough told at you, you start to right. you say, start I'm to just a dumb it. farmer. Mm-hmm. False. Mm-hmm. But that's... So we, we see, Tara, a long-term opportunity. Um, my company is expanding. We're very fortunate. But we see an opportunity to perhaps bring a bit to other areas in rural America. Um, in, in perhaps this would be a good time to, mm-hmm. to, to, to look ahead. Um, I, I see that there may be an opportunity to answer the question, what is it about rural America that could be a reason for rural revitalization in Wisconsin and elsewhere? Now. I mentioned to you, Tara, was before we were talking, that Eduardo Porter of the New York Times commissioned the Brookings Institute to answer that question. What's so good about rural America? Please, right. please, please answer. tell us. Or how are we going to fix rural America? Uh, yeah, right? yeah as if it would need, needed fixing, you know, well, in so, a way. So declining population, scaling of, of, of agriculture means fewer families, mm-hmm. and that's a, that's a prescription for... Um, a, a bit of a depressing environment. What can you do about it? And I don't believe the Brookings Institute had a good answer. Mm-mm. But as a little entrepreneur out in rural, rural Wisconsin, I do. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try to uh, set out for your listeners just uh, a, a bit of a formula here, so bear with me. But I think if you add up this, these pieces, they do spell the ability to revitalize and for me personally to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And if somebody copies me, oh, great. But mm-hmm. this is... Well, it's something we need all over the country, right? So, I think so there's that's and right. there's plenty of room for lots of people. I'm I'm all, in, all all for that. So let's start with the question: What's so good about rural America in distinction to suburban and urban mm-hmm. America? Mm-hmm. Um, I got an idea. It's great software hub. No, that's not. not they, they, it. Somebody yes. else has that already. Um, it's close to major cities. No, we just said it's rural. Mm-hmm. It, so what's so good about it? And what comes to mind is the four-letter word, land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, there's a lot of land. So what? Right. Well, you could say, well, it's good for extractive industries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure that's a sustainable thing. Solar power, wind power, yeah, mm-hmm. but no, keep going. Right. Agriculture, mm-hmm. right. Oh, right. That's what they do on all the land, right. 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 And what, do you, what can you do to revitalize an, an area mm-hmm. with mass-scale farming? That's so like much. we said. But my observation is that consumers would like to know who made their food. Mm-hmm. So agricultural processing, what we would have called artisanal, small mm-hmm. scale, the little cheese maker, the little With, ginseng maker, the little cranberry maker, mm-hmm. the guy who's got a small apple orchard. I want his apples and I want him to tell me just when they're ripe. Mm-hmm. And you bet I'll, I'll sign up for a subscription box if he says, yep, they're right now. They're ripe right now. I'm going to ship them to right. you. Okay. So specialty ag, but that's not really big, is it? Well, actually, it is big. Mm-hmm. And it scales. But how do you get this stuff to consumers? 
The supermarkets don't buy little bitsy things right. Let me introduce you to a guy you may have ever heard of as. His last name begins with B-E-Z and his yeah, last two right. letters are O-S. So Amazon is a thing. Mm-hmm. Internet is a thing. And it turns out, here's a big word, you could disintermediate mm-hmm. and go direct from the specialty ag producer to the consumer. Mm-hmm. You could create web stuff mm-hmm. um, and make multi-million dollar businesses based in rural Nowheresville, which UPS and FedEx pick up and ship. And somebody says to me, oh, that's a pipe dream. And I say, well, let me introduce you to my son. David. He and his wife just did it. Mm -hmm. They started the last week in December 2017. They introduced something on Amazon called Just the Cheese. Go ahead, look it up, listeners. Go on to Amazon, Just the Cheese. So this is Just the Cheese from the past that has been the new Just the Cheese. They They redid it. They did the whole thing. Beat their dad. Yep, dad, you really don't know. You really don't know what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, uh-huh. they, they were right. And it's now a multi-million dollar business on Amazon alone, mm-hmm. which is giving them... Congratulations. Yeah, it's awesome. That's awesome. But it's also, it could be mm-hmm. that it's a, a bit of a, a shining light for others to say, wait, mm-hmm. really? Yeah, you make a really good product. you got to do some marketing on, on right. the web. you got to... But and by then, the way, just the cheese is is dried cheese, right? So this is a granola Baked bar, cheese. right? A granola yeah. bar uh-huh. with one ingredient, cheese. our cheese. Right. So we right. bake cheese into mm-hmm. a crunchy little snack in the shape of a granola bar. Mm-hmm. Tastes awesome. Mm-hmm. It's In some ways, it's essence of cheese taste. It's yeah, really, the essence of cheese. Yeah, because there's none of that, that, that water in right, there anymore. Right. We just no got the cheese. No more water. Just, no. Yeah, uh, just it's, fat, dried, yeah. That's good. delicious fat uh-huh. to you. Yeah, good fat. <laughs> fat is good for you now, it turns out. And so, it, and yeah. We, and some of the flavor uh-huh. chemistries re- really advanced in those fat molecules. Yeah. So uh, that lesson indicates that artisanal ag processors scattered around rural mm-hmm. America could build a quality product, get it to consumers, have it distributed um, by essentially an Amazon or an e-commerce site, disintermediate all the difficult distributors mm-hmm. and major retailers and grow a profitable business. There are barriers to growth in rural America. Some of them we can fix, as I mentioned, with, so to speak, a little bit of self-enlightened management. you got to teach the, the staff to be nice, mm-hmm. go out and get workers in the community. They're there. Mm-hmm. There's a hidden workforce in rural America but ride share and child care and enlightened soft skill management, yeah, you can get folks. Getting access to the capital to expand your facilities is a little more tricky in rural America. Um, I hope in a future podcast you can teach your listeners all the great things that the Small Business Administration can do. Because right, it's right. essentially, it's great. It's great. Yeah. It acts like equity, but it doesn't, you don't right. dilute your ownership. Right, it's, right. It's, it's, we've built Why our business. Why would we not do that? Yeah. Yes, the 7A and the 504. Man. Right. And yep. there are hoops and hurdles, but, uh, but that's what we do. Mm-hmm. But the Federal Reserve says banks have to lend only to the extent there's collateral. Mm hmm. And collateral, especially buildings, in rural America 
aren't worth as much as they are in suburban and urban America. Right. And in a lot of cases over the last 20 years, they've declined. Yeah, since yeah. 08, yeah. it's gotten worse. It's gotten worse, yep. So this makes what I call a bit of a vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. Here's capitalism, free market, all the rest of it. But fewer companies are going to move to rural America because it's harder to get the collateral to build and expand, Mm -hmm. which means that there's less collateral value, which means that even fewer companies are going to go and move there and so on. Right. So I was just startled and pleased to be invited to to participate in the governor's dairy task force a couple years ago. And over time, the task force developed recommendations Mm -hmm. to the governor, Mm -hmm. the first of which was we ought to fix this rural collateral gap. Mm -hmm. The state assembly unanimously passed the bill in July. Excuse me, the Senate did in July. The Mm -hmm. the assembly did just recently. And Governor Evers signed it just before Thanksgiving. Congratulations. That's Uh, awesome. Thank you. It's awesome. It's awesome for everybody in rural America. It makes it easier to build. Mm Mm-hmm expand, grow manufacturing, ag processing in rural areas. So is it a guarantee or how does that work? How does that program work? It goes through the Wisconsin Housing and Economic Development Authority. Mm -hmm. It is a 25% guarantee or three quarters of a million bucks, whichever is less. Okay. But it's a first loss Mm -hmm. type of guarantee. Mm Mm-hmm. That looks an awful lot like equity. Mm-hmm. That that's yeah. a real yeah. benefit. Um, there are times where the small business administration programs will be the better for a manufacturing company, mm-hmm. and the times when this will be right. Right. Um, but it, these are the sorts of things. Uh, I'm going to try to go to the, to the legislature, I think, and ask them for a similar bill mm-hmm. to facilitate building rural childcare. Mm-hmm. All right. So yeah. I got. It, Hey, you're starting. You're on a roll. You get to keep going. Get to keep going. And, yeah. And the hope is that we we will be able to keep going. Um, I'm I'm hoping to create a fund of money which would be invested in worthy rural specialty ag processors mm-hmm. where we could bring our team's expertise in financing, in marketing, in soft skills, in mm-hmm. rideshare, in child right. care and build the business in the surrounding communities, I think overall, Wisconsin, perhaps America, would be startled by the incredible investment opportunities in rural America. The assets, the people are undervalued, Mm -hmm. the opportunities are strong, and with the rise of internet direct-to-consumer sales distribution, I think the future is uh, is glowing. I think it's morning in rural America, mm-hmm, Tara. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think um, you know, I there was um, somebody in our department whose wife that was not food; it was a medical, like an orthotic device. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was a nurse, and she came up with some things that, and she had them manufactured somewhere in Wisconsin, and. She built an internet business, a hundred percent internet business, and again, kind of like your son, in a couple years had a couple million in sales, and she could have been anywhere. Like she didn't need to be in Madison to do that business. That business could have been um, in rural Wisconsin. I talked to 
people at my children's age, mid-30s, mm-hmm. and I inquire, where would they like to live right. and why? Mm-hmm. So often in their 20s, they want to move to a big city. It's right. happening. It's energy. It's mm-hmm. excitement. It's dopamine. Yeah, it's yeah, a rush. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> And then after a while, mm-hmm. I remember being educated by my daughter. You know, Dad, there are three rush hours in Los Angeles. Oh, God. No, really? Yeah. yeah there's like the morning all day. one. Well, there's the morning one, there's uh-huh. the evening one, and then there's bar time. Right. Oh, God. So, the, so you you really want to live there? Well, right. it's starting to look like this might be. Uh, yeah. So where would you like to live? Mm-hmm. And as, as people mature into a full adulthood, I think many people would love to live in rural America if mm-hmm. there were economic activities, if there was cultural opportunity, if, if well, those things I think an enlightened employer mm-hmm. could create. Mm-hmm. Um, you go up into the Fond du Lac area, which is not a tiny, tiny bird, right, right. and there's a $200 million company called Grande Cheese, who built a headquarters, which is spectacular, with the intention of saying to professionals, you know, this is a world-class place. They're Mm -hmm, right. mm -hmm. Now, it's not, you can't take a taxi to the New York Metropolitan Museum from here. Right, right, right. But you can to the theater and get Mm -hmm. the, you know, the soundtrack and what Mm -hmm. have you. I think there's more opportunity for a better life in the less populated areas mm-hmm. as technology and forward-thinking companies move there. I've also been thinking about, um, you know, I don't know, contemporaries of my kids, because I had two kids who went to graduate school in the Bay Area, and um, one went to medical school, one got a PhD in finance. And they, I mean, these are people, their contemporaries make a lot of money, both of them, mm-hmm. right? They, they are saying none of them are staying in the Bay Area because it's too expensive for them to live there, right? So where are these people going to go, right? And, and if we can solve the broadband problem, some of those, those software developers could be anywhere in the country, any rural area in the country. So this this leads to sort of two two pieces. The first is my daughter lives in the in the Bay Area. And mm-hmm. outside. She's a, a rocket scientist, quite literally, and a, now an engineer building uh, autonomous vehicles. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of November, I asked her, "So mm-hmm. how are things going?" She right. said, "Well, Dad, I've had power twenty one of the last twenty eight days." Right, right. And the air quality has been worse here five of the last 28 days than anywhere on the planet. Oh, my God. Uh, and you, you're enjoying living there? Right. You're paying you for really it. like it? You're paying to live there? You know, yeah. Uh, this, so I do think it is... Mm-hmm. It, I don't wish ill towards the cities and urban living. Oh, of course But not. I think there will be a significant number of people who would like to have an alternative. Mm-hmm. I do think there's an opportunity to... Uh, to do so in less yeah. less populated areas. So, how's the broadband thing in in Reesville? Do you are you kind of the hub for broadband because no. you're the big employer, or how does that work? No, we are. We have we charter charter does does, does cr- cable does, to you. 
and, and we can beam mm-hmm. and we can have whatever. But my drivers on their way around mm-hmm. picking up people, what we like to have is them in constant digital of touch course, with us. Yeah. And we can't. And you can't, yeah. So I feel like there is a role for government in helping rural areas. Mm-hmm. It's a limited role. This is mm-hmm. not a state handout. But right. as with the rural collateral gap or perhaps child care facilities, mm-hmm. government guarantees will be helpful. I do think that building the infrastructure mm-hmm. will help. Mm-hmm. You you may be aware, perhaps your listeners aren't, once upon a time there was something called the Rural Electrification mm-hmm. Authority. Right. Which yep. brought power and back in 1991, some of my farmers said that they'd only gotten power recently, crazy? not not months ago. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the U.S. Postal Service is subsidized by urban mm-hmm. citizens to deliver across the big distances in rural right, areas. Right. I do think there's a role that all mm-hmm. of us have in helping rural areas who create our food and many other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think an enlightened employers will step into that breach. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we need to tax them so much as someone like myself saying, this is good for me. Yeah, no, you need it. I, right, right, let's make sure this works. I, right, right, right. I, think, I, hear, I was at a conference and I heard somebody talking from, from Mississippi, mm-hmm. rural Mississippi, mm-hmm. trying to get broadband. And she was saying, um, I guess the transmitters for 5G are very small. And so she was describing a town in rural Mississippi where they realized that they could take switch out the light bulbs on the on on the light posts in downtown and put in a transmitter for 5G and an LED light bulb and the net cost of all of that was less because the energy cost of the light bulb was so much lower. And wow. She's, isn't wow. that amazing? Wow. I did not know that. That's cool. Yeah. It was so cool. I was listening to that going, damn, that could happen everywhere. It doesn't, that doesn't help driving around to pick up people in the middle of rural places necessarily, but it could make a difference. Yeah. The 5G thing could make a big difference. Apparently. So the risk is that we come off as too Pollyanna-ish, Tara. Let me see if I can identify sort of good news, bad news for a minute. Yeah. Good news is I do believe there's undervalued assets business opportunities uh, and a great p- a hidden workforce of people trapped by their transportation, child care, elder care. Mm-hmm. But there's another issue there which I don't, I don't know how to resolve, and that is that there's a lot of despair which has led to mm-hmm. substances, and some of those substances have gotten the better of the people. Yeah. And I, I just don't know how to get, get around that. Um, I've, I've given a number of such people job opportunities, mm-hmm. and I, I feel like I can really help some segments of the population, but some I can't. Right. Um, the substance abuse thing is is vicious. And mm-hmm. whether it's whether it's alcohol mm-hmm. or all of different types of drugs, um, and I'm afraid that. I'm afraid that legacy is going to take a long time to, to resolve. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd love to start a methadone clinic. Right. But I'd, I don't know that it works. I don't yeah. know how to do it. Yeah. It's so obvious. Give them rides to work. Right. That's right. easy. Right. It costs a few right, bucks right. and mm-hmm. it works. Mm-hmm. Um, build a child care. That's easy. The, mm-hmm. the, the drug stuff is... 
You just wonder kind of in, I don't know if it's being Pollyanna, but you wonder if, if those opportunities existed, whether the despair would get to the point where people would fall into that to the degree that they do. I don't know. Like you get to I be a bit you. hopeful about that, right? I, I don't know. I, I could, yeah, we don't know. Yeah. But, but it's easy to imagine sitting there with no, you know, no job, no prospect of a job, no way to get out, no, no positive stuff going on, no colleagues, no, you know. What we can say is that the UW Population Health Institute surveyed uh, 300 and some people households in Dodge County, which is 1% of the county. Mm -hmm. Very statistically significant. And what they found, the barriers to work I identified already, Mm -hmm. but the general concerns of the population were stark. Mm -hmm. The number one self-identified concern was anxiety and depression. And then you start to cluster things. Mm -hmm. Anger management, self-control. These Mm -hmm. are um, self-reported. Soft skills are incumbent upon the employer. You've Mm got to be compassionate. You have to care. It's necessary, but it's not sufficient. Right. uh, We can do, we can hope, we can help, but only time will tell if it really works. Yeah. Well, I live with a psychotherapist these days, Brad. My partner in my life is a psychotherapist, and he works with people with trauma. Mm-hmm. And he would probably say that a bunch of the population who've experienced the kinds of things they've experienced have, are actually like PTSD. Yep. Um, and there are ways that people who c- can be treated for that kind of stuff. We just have to acknowledge it as, right? We did just because we they didn't experience war or they didn't, you know, somebody wasn't killed in their family or something. It doesn't mean they don't have the trauma and the anxiety and depression that comes from it. It's that first phrase you said. They have to acknowledge it. They have to admit it. So yeah, I, I can't. I I don't want to say it's been in countless times, but any number of times into my office has come men and women mm-hmm. who say. No, no, I don't have a alcohol problem. Right. I just like alcohol, and yeah. I drink it when yeah. I want to. But I, other than that, it's not in control of my life. Mm-hmm. And that's not the way the events unfold. Right, right. That's not how they're manifesting. It, yeah, yeah. It's I'm, it's a hard it's a hard thing. Um, there's also I don't I don't know what the data would look like about this, but diet. So. So there's all kinds of connections that I learned living with the guy I live with about the connection between how people eat and what their anxiety and depression is, mm-hmm. right? And so there's there's multidimensional. They are twelve, what you said, twelve miles to a grocery store, right? So people end up eating out of the out of the gas station, right? And what's in the gas station? It's not going to be, you know, lots of fresh fruit and vegetables, right? So there's a lot of dimensions to to yeah. something like this. Yeah, it's it strikes me that you, what you can do as you look back over decades of successful rural communities is try to find commonalities. Mm-hmm. And uh, having a, a few strong local businesses whose leaders act like they're invested for 50 years. Right. That makes a huge difference big deal mm-hmm. so 
sort of go back and do it for a few minutes. So that's what I'm going to go try to do. Mm-hmm. I think I think there's more opportunity than yeah. anybody acknowledges in rural America yeah. now. Yeah, and your own business is you're living and breathing it, right? So your own business is the success story that. And and the place where the culture is ready to incubate all these programs. I think I've got some staff who would who would really like to help other small businesses. We we are perhaps self confident enough to get ourselves in trouble. I could well yeah. be. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and what is what is an entrepreneur? Yeah, exactly. We, we act like two year olds. We right? fall down, go boom, and get up again right. with with whining. Right. Um, right. It, I think it can happen. It won't be uniformly successful, but if we can get a few more good hits, mm-hmm. um, I think there'll be a model there mm-hmm. for for other capitalists to pursue. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't th- I don't see where the government has a role in this. Mm-hmm. It was so funny. I I was telling the story of Tara's way at a conference that I was speaking at for the SBA actually, and one of the people in the audience was hearing about Tara's way, and I told him about the factory in a rural community and that whole thing. And he said, well, you must have gotten all kinds, it's Wisconsin, you must have gotten all kinds of government support to make that business work. And I looked at him and I said, no, actually, I didn't. It was all, I mean, I had SBA money, which is a government program, but it wasn't like I got grants or big, you know, checks on behalf of anybody. It was just, it was a successful business that I, You, um, you that had a really funded. good idea, which, which you're, Events and timing didn't quite work out, but the enterprise, you're you're uh, proved to be a successful model. Totally, it's uh, yeah, it's it's been super successful. Um, you know, we started up in the pit of the Great Recession, so that could have been <laughs> could have been right. more timely, right? But but the I mean, I don't know if you knew this, but Terra's Way is the number one brand in the natural category last year. Congratulations! Isn't that Congratulations. amazing? Congratulations! Two hundred and some brands. That's just just awesome, and, and it's the only brand that's increasing. So, and your business model—it's hard for somebody to come in and say, "I think I'll knock off Terra's way." Yeah, you and twenty million bucks later, right? Uh, and by and, the way, then you'll just be a me too, right? And and you had to have access to the raw way, right? So it's like one of your businesses that you're talking about because of the relationship to agriculture. Correct. You Very can't just much. pop one of those up in Oklahoma; it, it won't work. So, yeah, there's now, we we could imagine going and buying doing something in ginseng. Mm-hmm. And we could imagine General Mills, Motors, somebody, one of the big companies really taking it and wanting to scale it. But you can't imagine moving the ginseng to any place but rural Wisconsin. Anywhere. Right, and, um, it, and it turns out that ginseng from Wisconsin is a great example because it has this unique properties that come from where it's grown and the genetics that have evolved there and all this stuff that makes it incredibly highly prized in Asia, right? And so you can't get Wisconsin, quote unquote, ginseng and grown in Michigan. It won't work. It won't work commercially. It won't work. So I learned a word a few years ago, which when I first heard it, I thought this is a dumb word. First Mm -hmm. of all, because it's in French. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But terroir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I said, yeah, what does this mean? Well, mm-hmm. it's something about, you know, this food product is 
better around here because the earth is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nonsense. Mm-hmm. Well, as, as you're nodding, yeah, it turns out it's true. It turns out it's true. And when you're in the cheese world, you'll really know that, right? It turns out our cheese for Indian cuisine, which mm-hmm. is called paneer, right, is the world champion. Not cool. close. It is the world champion. Yeah. You say, well, how'd you do that, Paul? I'm a nice mm-hmm. Jewish boy. What, what? Yeah, right. Nice Jewish boy who came Go, up with Indian you, you, cheese. How did and this the answer work? Is, first, the answer is because the cheesemakers who work with really me really good. do know they're. Mm-hmm. But the deep, deep answer is because the milk is so pure out here in Wisconsin mm-hmm. that if you try to make our quality, forgive me, in California, you mm-hmm. won't, it won't be as good, mm-hmm. let alone Indian, let right. alone... This will be the enduring best place to make this cheese. A big company comes and buys us out. They're not going to move production. Mm-hmm. They'll blow it. Yeah. Uh, you and I know stories of... Right, of those Those mistakes. <laughs> right? yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's, there's yeah. something which... Is, there, there's an opportunity for a win-win. Go make something. The other thing that's interesting that I think is relevant is... Um, so... Um, I'm in the Institute for Business and Entrepreneurship. That's where FFI sits at the university. And there's another group in there that is research-oriented, and they looked at some data about um, startup businesses. So Wisconsin doesn't do well on on the number of startups per capita in our state compared to other states. We do not do well about that. But we have a disproportionate number of small businesses that – that um, exist beyond five years in our state. Mm. Mm. So while we don't start as many businesses, we keep them in business. We're better at that. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, and I, uh, and on the face, but I, don't of, have a, I don't have a quick Yeah, no, but what I, my interpretation of that, because I do travel with my programs around the country, and I see, especially the West Coast, you know, that we're, Places where equity wants to jump in and start up new stuff all the time, and it's, you know, fail fast forward, and we'll just mm-hmm. do a new startup next. And um, uh, here, like, you know, you start a business, you're going to give it to your grandkids, right? That German model of, of holding on to family businesses. We have, I guess, more family-owned businesses than any other state in the country. So yeah. we have this culture of long hold businesses, which makes it more likely that they're going to have this broader view of being pivotal to a community like you're talking about. It's it, kind of it, an interesting thought. You're, of course, aware of the economist, Mr. Pinkety, who, who, who uh, quantified that capital pays more in the long run than, than the fruits of one's labor. Right. Well, let's let's follow that and and go by analogy to football, mm-hmm. where the owners pay a lot of money to the players, but the players are just cannon fodder. Right, they're short lived, and so now we think the analogy to venture capital, mm-hmm. where you throw throw a few million here, throw a million there, and these startups they flame out. Right, and, and they expect what eighty percent of them to flame out, and yeah, right, and that that's a fairly brutal sport. Right, the venture capitalist is well enough. Capitalize that mm-hmm. he can play the probabilities. He's the house. He's right. the casino. Right. I don't want to play that game with mm-hmm. my capital and my folks. Right. And I don't believe in the long run that's capitalism. Mm-hmm. Um, enlightened capitalism, in my view, 
has a soft, has a human element. Mm -hmm. Again, humans are undervalued. Mm -hmm. If you quantify your returns merely on the balance sheet, you can flip the company. Mm -hmm. But is that really the purpose? Is is purpose quantified in dollars? Mm -hmm. I do agree with you that, I don't know, I don't know about uh, Wisconsin, but I do agree with you that here in the upper Midwest, there are more people who intuitively would say, no, that's not really why I get up in the morning. Right, I don't sweat right. my tax return. I get up to build something, mm-hmm. to grow something. And the team is part of it. Mm-hmm. I think we, all of us, are drawn to work in those organizations. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm thinking that in the long, long run, those organizations will win over the build it, flip it, sell it, right. let's... let's the entrepreneurs just cannon fodder. And we'll, mm-hmm. we'll, they flame out the t- tough. I, it's probably yeah. above my pay grade, but yeah, that's yeah, how, yeah, that's yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe, maybe we both live long enough to see the yeah, answer I, to that. Huh? I, yeah. Well, there are there are senses in which today's political environment is bringing that to the test. Because mm-hmm. there's an awful lot of men and women who are voting that the older system, the one that who's popularized um, Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, I want my car doors to go to up go and down. To go up not sideways. <laughs> not, right, right. Like up, yeah. I know. Gullwing. Bad wings, right? Right. right. Yeah. That, that's not, uh, doesn't have the, the perceived value that it did 20 years ago. Yeah. My view. Don't, mm-hmm. I... I think there's a correction in place yeah. around the Western yeah, civilization. Yeah. Well, and I hope, I hope you're right because I think it will benefit rural America. Yeah. Like, yeah, definitely. This idea that, you know, all of the brains are centered in five cities and therefore that's the only place that's going to grow. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Like there are other people around this country, right? That just so stirs my contrarian impulses. I bet it does. <laughs> I'm going to prove you guys wrong. Yeah, I bet. I bet. And it sounds like despite the whole dairy downturn, your your cheese businesses, your, the underlying cheese business in all of this is growing and doing well. We are... So here's a here's a trick, quick little question for you. If a business grows at an annual rate of fifteen percent, mm-hmm. sounds like yeah, that's fine, yeah, whatever. But fifteen percent growth over oh, five no, years over five years is a lot. Is a double. Yeah. So our business has been growing at a fourteen percent annual rate for twenty eight years. Right. I get it. I can do the math. I get it. I tell people all the time, like we built our country on businesses that grew incrementally. 5% net income business is a food business, right? And guess what? If you do that for 20, 30 years, you created something super valuable. Right. And and it includes fall down, go boom. Yeah. That hurt. Oh, totally. I mean, totally. This is not the other thing is people think it's this smooth (laughs) thing looking from the outside and it never is. Uh Right. There there are these these peaks and troughs in every business. So, yeah. Yeah, There was there was a time not that very long ago that I was the only person uh, who I could afford. 
Right. You were the only person you could afford. And you were paying yourself nothing, probably. Yeah, we're getting yeah. close. Yeah, pretty close. And, and I was yeah. shoveling the waste fields. That, yeah. That's right. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. No, that happens. It in, does. As you go up and down. But but it's really great to hear about a dairy business that's actually growing, right? Um, just, yeah. We're, we're very fortunate. Yeah. Yep. So we've covered a tremendous amount of ground. Have you... Have, yep. uh, have we missed anything? Uh, Probably talk not. about my grandchildren, but no. Uh, then, no, no, right, no, right, no, we're good. Right. We're good. We're good. Did, this is did awesome. Did you get what you want? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Give absolutely. Well, thanks so much for joining us. This has been fantastic. Visionary person who also has done a lot, which is great. So it isn't just dreamy. It's amazing. Thanks for all you do, Paul. Thank you so much for being yourself, Karen. It's a pleasure. Thanks for listening. You can get more podcasts by subscribing on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And you can learn more about Edible Alpha by visiting our website at ediblealpha.org.